Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 149. Another massively busy week here at the Back of the Range. Lots going on behind the scenes. All good things, by the way. Um, I can't get into it. Believe me, I want to, but sometimes you just got to not jinx things. Let's just say lots of great guests coming up. Lots of great information for the future of this podcast coming up. So, I will let you all know as quickly as possible, but we're going to move on to this week's episode. Before I do that, congratulations to the University of Florida's men's golf coach, J.C. Deacon, who picked up his second Florida Open championship last weekend. Absolutely incredible. You know, when I stopped in Gainesville on the way back from my trip to South Carolina, I stopped by the golf course, met Coach Deacon, and... uh, yeah, we were talking about the Florida Open, and he said, yeah, I'm just trying to get my game ready, and, you know, it's getting there. And then the very next weekend, he wins. You know, it's just hard to explain, Mojo, how you could find something that clicks, Mojo, and then put it to the test in competition, Mojo, against the best pros and amateurs in the state of Florida. Mojo. Weird. Anyway. Well, congrats to Coach, and thank you to him for giving me all of that incredible Gators gear when I was in Gainesville. I've been giving it out to listeners the entire week, doing it on Instagram. If you're listening to this episode on Thursday, July 23rd, you still have today, you still have tomorrow. I'm still giving away stuff. There's hats, there's shirts, uh, probably a couple head covers. There's stuff in there. So go to the Instagram page. It's the Back of the Range podcast. That information, uh, where you can find the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, all that can be found on the website, thebackoftherange.com. Don't forget, every episode is available there as well. And if you have time to leave a review in Apple Podcasts, you know I appreciate that. So, on to this week's episode. Now, you'd think I'd have another Gator on this week, but no. I am keeping it in the SEC, however. So, my guest on this episode is Davis Thompson, the number four ranked amateur in the world from the University of Georgia. Had a great conversation with Davis. We hit on several topics, including his start in the game and what ultimately led him to Georgia. Davis was the runner-up to Akshay Batia in the 2019 Jones Cup Invitational. And when Akshay turned professional and didn't use his winner's exemption into the PGA Tour's RSM Classic, it went to Davis. Now, what do you think he did with that exemption? Was he a tourist? Was he just happy to be there? Remember, the RSM is basically played right in his backyard in Sea Island, Georgia. No, he went ahead and made the cut and picked up a top 25 finish in his first PGA Tour event. And that should serve him well, since, for good measure, he went ahead and won the 2020 Jones Cup Invitational this year by nine shots. And he'll return and play in his third PGA Tour event this fall. He picked up first-team All-America honors this year. He was a Haskins Award and Nicholas Award finalist. I mean, basically, he's right in that group with Sahitha Gala, John Augenstein. Those three guys were really at the top of the list the entire year. This is a young player you will be seeing on TV playing golf for many years to come. 
Let's jump into this episode right away. Davis, welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I got to get it out of the way first. We're we're talking on July 16th. We're letting listeners know when we record because everything changes day to day in the current uh, scope of things. And uh, we were just talking about how you're kind of keeping your game sharp over at uh, well, it sounds like a rough place, Sea Island, Georgia. I think there's a few good games you could find. Uh, what is a typical? Um, you're trying to keep your game sharp. You have tournaments coming up. You got the Western. You got the Son of Hannah, and then obviously the USAM at Abandon. Um, what are you doing to keep your game sharp right now, as far as just casual games, or do they get a little bit more serious? Um, a little bit of both. Um, when quarantine all started, I was playing games with um, some of the tour guys that were down here, which was awesome. That really helped me um, kind of keep that competitive edge and play under pressure a little bit. And then, um, you know, I've had a good number of casual rounds with some of my friends down here, which has been nice as well. And just going out and playing now with my dad also has been nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, leading up to these, these few tournaments, I've had a good mix of both, which has been awesome. You mentioned your dad. You know we're going to have to talk a little bit about him as well. In fact, the more I research you, the more I find about find information about him. So I I'm, I hope you're going to be okay with sharing the limelight with a with another uh, a Georgia Bulldog with the same last name. So I got to ask you about your start in the game. You know, you played junior golf. Your fa- your father is your high school golf coach no matter how good any relationship is between a father and son, I'm sure things can kind of get tested a little bit when it's player coach and also father son. So, you know, growing up in Auburn, Alabama, playing junior golf and and having dad as your high school coach, tell me what that's like. (laughs) I've heard them all. I've heard a lot of the, the start in the game stories doing this, but I haven't heard that one. Yeah, it was definitely unique. Um, you know, driving to the tournaments, I was treating him as my dad. But, you know, when I stepped on the golf course, he was my coach or my high school golf coach. And, um, you know, I, I just tried to treat it like that. And, you know, obviously after the round, um, treat him like my dad. But during the round, it was it was all business and we were focused on winning tournaments. And, um, you know, obviously growing up in Auburn, it was there's some highs and some lows being a Georgia fan. But um, sure. I just remember the Hail Mary game when Auburn beat Georgia, that was, that was a rough go for me, but, um, you know, we were able to beat them the next couple of years, which is nice to have some bragging rights on my friends. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was an awesome place to grow up in and I'm just thankful for the many relationships that I made there. And my dad has, um, definitely obviously been a part of that. And he was just an awesome, awesome coach to play for. Now, do you think you're, maybe your approach to the game is the same as his or a little bit different. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing the, the difference in distance and maybe the way the game is played <laughs> these days, not just talking about when you two go play now, but I'm thinking, you know, your dad was, you know, won two titles when he played at Georgia, he was the team captain twice, led them to a sec championship along with uh, good old Tommy tolls and Paul Claxton. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So those names obviously <laughs> ring a bell. So but th- those were the times where, you know, you're, you're hitting drivers, you know, 260, 270, and it's all about placement and course strategy. And, well, now his kid just walks up and just tees it high and lets it fly, and it goes 320 in the air. So is how do you balance that different outlook on the game, so to speak? 
there's been some times where he's he, there's been some times where he's looked at me and just you know whether he's catting for me or just watching me play he'll ask you know hey what'd you hit on that par three did you hit like six or seven there and I said no that was that was a smooth eight and he'll just you know kind of shake his head and walk away but um you know there's definitely been a change over the years and um I mean just look what Bryson's doing right now it's 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 crazy and um in a good way and and I guess I guess we'll find out what the USGA does or if they do anything to maybe lengthen the courses or change the golf ball I don't know what they're going to do but um well it's uh it's about seven o'clock at night when we're recording I think he's on his sixth protein shake by now um yeah I think yeah I was going to ask you I I was going to ask you about distance and since, since you brought it up let me let me ask you about that I mean we're seeing everything with what he's doing. And I know people are talking about the, you know, the current crop of PJ tour players and what they're going to do to compete with him. But you're part of that next wave of talent. That's going to be, uh, you know, trying to make it on the PJ tour in the next, you know, whatever, one, two, three years, whatever you want to call it. Is this a conversation that you're having with your fellow, you know, collegiate players, whether it's the guys on the Georgia team or guys you see at invitationals, I mean, you look at it and you watch it and you see the clips of him, you know, carrying it 360. But do you personally feel a, a obligation now of, you know, maybe not putting on 40 pounds of, of weight, but is it a conversation right now between a lot of your peers? Oh, it's definitely the hot topic conversation. Um, it seems like every time I'm turning on Golf Channel, they're talking about how far he's hitting it. Yeah. I mean. And, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how far he's hitting and, um you know, I'll be interested to see if he can maintain it. I'll be interested to see, you know, if he, you know, if we're five years down the road, if he's still hitting it that far. Um, and if he is, kudos to him. That's awesome. Um, but it's definitely a topic of conversation. And I, you know, personally, I don't feel the urge to put on 40 pounds. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a certain point. I'm kind of in the same camp. I mean, I'm not trying to build my body up to compete on, you know, mid amateur golf tournaments but i'm also looking at it like at some point you still have to wedge it close you still have to make the putts and if you're hitting i, I it, agree with that yeah and if you're hitting it 310 or 330 i i don't know we'll have to see of course if god forbid he you know pulls a hammy or, or a disc blows out then well that'll be the next big story so mm-hmm. um talk to me a little bit about you you talked about your dad being your high school golf coach but the family business your dad starts the Southeast Junior Golf Tour in 94. So the family business is running junior golf tournaments. Now we're in a whole different direction of, yeah. uh, I mean, th- that's a first that I've ever heard of. So, I mean, I'm guessing since it's the family business, there had to be a time where you're getting a, a grunt job running a tournament that you probably didn't want to have. But what's it like not only playing in those tournaments, but also I guess you're helping out run them at some point. Yeah, um, I'm actually interning for them this summer, there so I've been working a few tournaments, um, which has been nice. But I, you know, you want to play? Growing up playing in, <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing up playing in those tournaments, um, it was it was unique because you yeah. know, I would I would definitely just ride out to the golf course with my dad, and he would just kind of drop me off and go do his work, and I would either you know practice or go play and um, or play my practice round. But um, you know, it didn't matter if I had the last tee time or the first tee time I was showing up when they showed up. Oh. So, I mean, if, if, which was usually, you know, five thirty six in the morning. So 
it was unique. Um, I was very thankful that my dad ran that junior tour to kind of help me grow in the game and learn about it. And, um, you know, it was, it was cool as well because, um, my dad usually didn't really get to watch me play in those tournaments. I mean, he would watch me play probably four or five holes each tournament just because he was working and driving around and figuring out stuff that he's got to handle and which has been cool now because he has, you know, gotten more opportunities to watch me play um, in college, which has been awesome. And, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I have been working those tournaments. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm which, just picturing you, you getting there at 6am and, you know, hopefully dad does you a solid and he puts you in the first group out, but if you're, yeah. but, but if you're leading at on the final round and I'm guessing there's a whole, I, I guess that probably helps you in the long run because you probably have the ability to stay pretty patient and even keel where, you know, some people don't want to show up three hours before their tea time. You've probably been doing that for years. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. I mean, if I played good, it was, it was, you know, Hey, good round, but you know, I had to wait a couple of hours the next morning. If I played bad, it was, you know, I was down in the dumps, but Hey, I had an earlier tea time. So sure. I could just get out and go play. But um, no, it was all, it was all awesome. That's uh that's great. Well, as I said, your dad, uh, you know, your dad played collegially in Georgia and had a great career there. And I'm sure, you know, once, you know, being a Georgia fan, I'm sure as your game is taking shape and collegiate programs are showing interest, Georgia is going to be pretty high on the list. How did you and your family approach the, the recruiting process? You know, I have a lot of parents that listen, a lot of junior and collegiate players that listen to this podcast. And I always try and hit upon that subject as much as possible, just because it's just going to help the next wave of young kids trying to navigate the waters of going from high school to college golf. And, you know, you got your dad's a, you know, dad played there and I know you're a fan there. So how, how did you go about that process? My dad's advice to me was to just go at it with a, with a blank slate. Like you got to take out your, you know, your fan affection towards Georgia, which I, I feel like I did a good job of. And, um, he just told me like, look, this is your decision. It's not my decision. Um, I would love for you to go to Georgia, but if it's not the place for you, then it's not the place for you. But I just, I visited a couple of schools and I, um, I don't know. I just, I just felt really at home in Athens. I thought that was the best opportunity for me. I felt like that was the best opportunity for me to play early, which really benefited me now, now down the road. Um, and you know, it just kind of fell into place, and I and I committed to Georgia. Nice coaching styles. Your dad in high school and Coach Hack at Georgia. Can you pinpoint any differences there? Yeah, there are a few differences. Um, my dad was wasn't very hands on, but he was always you know um, you know watching us practice, and um, he was just very involved. Like with our qualifying rounds, he would kind of walk with us a little bit in qualifying and he would just kind of always be around us, which was awesome. And Coach Hack's a little more hands-off. You know, if you ask Coach Hack to watch you at a few, he will, but he's usually um, handling other business in his office. And he just kind of lets us do our own thing on the practice deal, which I I love. And that's kind of why I really love Georgia and I love, you know, his his coaching style. And, you know, in qualifying, he kind of keeps his distance and, kind of just lets us figure it out for ourselves, which is, you know, kind of 
what you have to do in the next step of professional golf. So yeah. he's kind of teaching us that lesson early. Well, there's a lot of guys that are on the PGA Tour that uh, that called Athens home, and I'm sure you've uh, had a chance to bump into those guys, whether it's when they're back in Athens or when you're playing PGA Tour events. You've you've played in a couple, and you got another one coming up. Um, you're coming across with with this great calm demeanor. I mean, you're these days, you know, you're first team All American and Haskins and Nicholas Award finalist. And but at a time, there was a time when you were a freshman at Georgia, coming out of Lee Scott Academy with an enrollment of 750 kids, and that's including kindergartners because you had a graduating class of maybe like 50. Um, what can you even put into words the the culture shock of of going from Lee Scott Academy to Athens where their undergrad enrollment is 30,000. I mean, Lee Scott, I mean, I knew every family. I knew every right sibling. I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, <laughs> it was just very small, tight knit and which I loved, but um, I just remember getting to campus and thinking, you know, what am I going to do? I, <laughs> I just called my dad. I was like, I just, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, I don't sure. know what's going to happen. And he just said, Davis, you're, you're going to be fine. Just give it a couple of weeks. And I did. And it, it took me a while to get adjusted to, you know, the class schedule and the qualifying schedule. Um, and, and I honestly struggled a good bit in my freshman year and had some good tournaments, but I also had a lot of poor tournaments, which, you know, it's, it's very rare. It takes a special player to, go straight from high school to college and just, you know, play really well. And um, for me, I just needed some time to get adjusted and get used to it. And But, yeah, I mean, it was just very overwhelming at the start. And I just kept praying and kept, you know, I just – I knew that Athens was the place for me. So I wasn't, yeah. wasn't necessarily worried. It was just very overwhelming. Well, the impressive thing, though, that you did do is whether or not you're not 100% pleased with, uh, you know, maybe how you play in every single tournament, though. But, but man, you're you're on a handful of academic honor rolls, and that's uh, that's important down the line because uh, you don't have the grades, you can't play. So, so that's definitely a good thing to take care of. What um, you have this great junior season, and you know, before I talk a little bit about you know how COVID closed down your your junior year. Tell me a little bit about the importance of being pushed by your teammates. You know, I've, I've spoken to Trent Phillips, you know, another first-team All-American. Spencer Ralston won the players in 2019. You know, you win the Jones Cup. You runner it up in 2019 at that, but he won it this past year or past January. You probably don't know exactly how everything's going to shape out or, or shake out when you when you get on the team with these guys, but it seems like the entire team is is firing. So what's just tell me about the importance of just being pushed by your teammates. I mean, I, I am very competitive. So, I mean, if, if we're qualifying, I'm, I'm trying to beat you. And if we're, if we're chipping, if we're having a chipping contest, I'm trying to beat you. If we're putting, I'm trying to beat you. So, I mean, we're just very competitive and, um, you know, I'm obviously like pulling for our, our guys. Sure. Um, when we're in tournaments, but you know, when we're back home, I mean, I'm competing, I'm trying to beat you and, I'm trying to push you and hopefully you're trying to push me to be the best player I can be. And, um, so, I mean, that's what, that's what you need to make it, um, deep in the NCAAs and SECs. And, you know, you kind of have to nudge your, t- 
teammates along and try to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit. And, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very important for us to be very competitive and to push each other. I know you were not in the playoff that you, I know you're sure you wanted to be representing your team in this playoff against uh, Quade Cummins in Hawaii uh, when, when Trent won. And I think it was what, seven or eight playoff holes um, at, at the Kanapali. But as far as being around your teammates, I'm guessing watching one of your teammates for seven holes in, in Hawaii, isn't a bad way to spend uh, isn't a bad way to spend a college day. No, it was, it was I mean, were you guys just getting getting a little pissed at him? Like, dude, just finish Quaid off. Let's go. We got to catch a fly. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of one of those things where we're like, dang, we're tired of being out here. But <laughs> at the same time, we were like, dang, we're we're also in Hawaii. Like, let's right. Let's let's drag this out. <laughs> but um, no, it was awesome to see Trent get his first win, and um, you know, Quaid, I think he shot maybe like a sixty-two, yeah. sixty-one the last round. So I mean, it's he showed a lot of mental toughness that day to, to beat him. And, um, cause obviously Quaid was playing awesome and both of them were, but it was just cool to see him get his first win. You were supposed to be playing, uh, at the, the SEC men's golf championship was supposed to be, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, cause the news just can't get any worse for, for, for you. It's supposed to be at sea Island in St. Simons, right there, your home course. And of course that gets canceled. I'm guessing you had that date, just circled on your calendar all season uh, i mean yeah i i think i've got i think i've gone into a dark place i'm really sorry i'll i'll get us out of here quickly but um i've spoken to other collegiate players and coaches about what it what it did to them when they heard the news that everything was going to get canceled where were you and your teammates when you found out that uh college golf was done for the year yeah i was at home um i think i was watching the players and then i just got a notification on my phone that they canceled March Madness, and that was it. Or it was something like, uh, you know, they're not doing any fans at the SEC basketball tournament. So I was like, all right. And then all of a sudden, you know, March Madness is canceled, NBA is canceled, and it was just it was just a snowball. And uh, you know, I didn't really believe it at first. I thought, you know, maybe, you know, a couple weeks ago by a single drop, but little did I know that. We'd yeah. still be talking about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was rough. Um, I've definitely had some good days and some bad days, and, you know. Because, I mean, obviously I was playing well and I was excited about postseason and trying to win SECs and a national championship. And But, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. So A lot of fans of collegiate golf are thinking that, you know, hey, you're just missing out on playing golf tournaments and there's going to be plenty more and you're going to you know, play in many more down the line. But you're also missing out on being on campus, being in Athens and having a normal college experience. What's been like the biggest thing you've missed about just being a regular college kid at, uh, at, a, at a school like Georgia? I mean, not, not even golf related. I think just hanging out with my teammates. Um, yeah. I've seen probably – three or four of my teammates since all this started. Yeah, I just miss hanging out with them, you know, in our locker room and at our house and, you know, just cutting up and having a good time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just been a huge adjustment. You know, it just shows you that you can't take anything for granted. And Yeah. Um, another, I mean, you had a lot of great memories at, at Sea Island. You had a, had a top 25 finish at the RSM in, in 2019 and obviously – 
gosh, it feels like you kind of own that place. You win the Jones Cup. I mean, you're runner-up to Akshay in 19. Then you win it in 2020 with, I think you won it by eight or nine, just pretty much decimated everyone in the final round. Um, when you play a PJ Tour event, I know you played in Puerto Rico as well, but when you get an exemption to play in a PJ Tour event, like, what's your approach as far as setting goals? I mean, you want to enjoy it. You know, you're an amateur. It's not your job. But you also don't want to be a tourist and just be like, oh, wow, look at all the bright lights. And then, you know, you you leave and that's it. But, like, how did you set your expectations for that? I just tried to prepare as best I could. Um, I mean, it, it kind of set up perfect for me because, I mean, it was my home course. I, I knew the shots that I had to hit. I knew, you know, certain wins that I would face. Um so, I mean, it kind of set up perfect for me being my first one. Um, I, would, I wouldn't say I was comfortable because I was very nervous. I was, you know, first PGA Tour event, I was, there was obviously some nerves on the first tee. And, uh, sure. But, um, you know, I, I was just able to play conservative, you know, the first probably three or four holes of the tournament just to kind of get into a groove. And then, um, you know, from there on, I think I was, I was pretty fine. Um, I was very nervous on my 36 hole because I had to make par to make the cut. And okay, I was kind yeah. of I was kind of nerve wracking, but um, you know I was able to do that and then just play well on the weekend. And I, um, you know, it, it just set up well for me, and I was I was comfortable majority of the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, as far as expectations, I. I told myself a good goal for me would, would be a top 10 because um, I was feeling very confident. You know, I just had a great fall and I was playing well leading up to that event. And I just, that was a good goal for me, but um, I'll take a top 25 for my first one. Yeah. Now, did you have to ride to the golf course with the tournament director or, or how did the, did the tournament director hook you up with maybe a nice tea time or something? <laughs> No, he, he, he had no say in that, unfortunately, <laughs> but, um, I did not have to ride with him. I mean, okay. he was, he was out at the course probably, you know, five thirty almost every day, which was nice for me to have my own car. So yeah. I could, uh, stroll out there whenever I wanted. Oh, you got a courtesy car, didn't you? I did. There, yeah, it was, there you go. It was nice. There you go. So, um, I'm looking, I, I want to ask before we talk about, you know, what's coming up for you, uh, you have, you have this great three tournament run. You're about to get started on sunny Hannah and Western. And, and then obviously USAM at abandoned, um, a little over four months ago, I guess was your last collegiate event, the Southern Highlands and you finished solo sixth, and then your return, I guess, to competitive tournament golf was at the North South at Pinehurst. And you had a solid finish there, reached the round of 16, you know, on paper, just looks like you picked up right where you left off. But we kind of hit on this earlier about what you've done to, to you know, stay sharp and keep your game in, in good working order. Um, any surprises just not having being in tournament mode for four months? Or did it just like it looks like on paper? Did you just pick up right where you left off? I, I kind of picked up right where I left off. I was, okay. I was pretty I was pretty nervous at the start yeah. Um, yeah. just to kind of get back into it and you know, I hadn't played a competitive round in a long time. And, um, there were definitely some course management errors that I had during, throughout the week, just having some competitive rust. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of felt like I kind of left off or I kind of picked up right where I left off, which is encouraging. And I'm just looking forward to, um, 
playing well these next three or four weeks. Yeah, I've seen it's it's been interesting to see the PGA Tour and a lot of players is coming, especially on the uh, on the Corn Ferry. You know, they're just kind of coming right out of the right out of the gate, just you know playing playing really well. And um, I don't know. I mean, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised at a lot of that stuff, but uh, you know, I guess everyone's kind of staying sharp. You uh, you have this unique situation this year. You know, you're the number fourth ranked amateur in the world. And with the U.S. Amateur, um, I know you've been through U.S. Amateur qualifiers in the past, and this year you don't have to worry about that. You are one of the, uh, gosh, one of the the many players. Uh, you know, the entire field is based on exemptions, and uh, you, you know you qualify in several different categories. But uh, you're going to be there, abandoned dunes. You would have had a nice little warm up for for Lynx Golf if you would have been in uh, at La Hinch in in Ireland with the Palmer Cup, but that's been postponed and moved to orlando i'm guessing this is your first u.s amateur isn't it it is um to be honest i just haven't played well in the qualifiers um in years past which i mean you know some guys are really good at it i I know my teammate spencer seems like every year he qualifies yeah he makes it um but you know i just haven't played played well in those and which is you know unfortunate but i'm excited to uh to play in my first one. Um, I had a really cool place at Band Dunes. I've heard a lot of great things, and um, I'm excited to go out there and uh, play some Lynx golf. Yeah, it's uh, it should be pretty entertaining. I've not been out there. Um, I, it's going to also be interesting to see how every player doesn't really – you know, you're going to get the, the cream of the crop. You're not going to have some someone that's really way off someone's radar that sneaks in. I mean, everyone there is, at the very least, probably in the top 200 to 300 in the world. So it's uh, it's going to be pretty exciting to be a very unique U.S. amateur. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's obviously like probably the best field um, of the year. And, uh, you know, strictly based off rankings, it's, it's pretty strong, and I'm, I'm excited to get out there. There's uh so you have Palmer Cup in December and that's at Bay Hill and there's this other cup thing that's going to happen next May. I believe it's the Walker Cup in uh down here by me at Seminole. You know, you're you're in school for your senior season. There's a lot of guys that are coming back for another senior year. I mean, you want to talk about a competitive field US amateur, the competition to make the Walker Cup team is going to be incredible as well because you have guys that, you know, whether it's a a John Augustine or, um, you know, a Cooper Dossey, you know, names that may have turned pro any other time uh, as, you know, except for this occurrence, they're going to be there. Uh, how, how much is Walker cup on your radar? Uh, it's, it's, uh, very much on my, <laughs> oh, okay. it's very much on my radar. I, I, listen, uh, I, I ask a dumb question every once in a while, Davis, and, you know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's a huge goal of mine. And I'm, um, just going to work my tail off to try to make that team and try to represent the United States. And um, hopefully I'll be uh, seeing you down there at Seminole. Oh yeah. Well, there's, um, I, I have to ask you a little bit about Sea Island. I kind of skipped over that. You got a lot of great players there. If you, if you and your dad take on DL three and, and drew love, tell me about that match. Are there strokes being given you guys playing straight up or, or, or has that match taken place? Like that's a better question. Has that match taken place? Um, it has before. Um, okay. it was a couple of years ago. I don't really remember the outcome, but, um, we would, we'd be playing straight up for sure. 
my dad probably wants strokes, but we're not going to give him any strokes. Um, he's he's good enough to to play straight up. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I know you've played rounds with uh, Keith Mitchell, and I know you played with some of the other guys there. Are there are there maybe games that kind of regular games around there that really kind of benefit you guys that you've played with that you really learn a lot from? I mean, obviously you're all hitting at probably similar distances, but uh, I mean, there's there's got to be guys that you're probably gravitating more towards. I've played with Patton, Kazire, and yep. Harris English a few times. I've learned a lot from them. They've been um, very helpful to me, but also um, when I'm in Athens, I play and practice a bit with uh, Brendan Ty, which is which has been awesome because he's he's had a great year and he's obviously he's seen the ups and downs of golf oh, yeah. and he he's really he's really helped me out. Um, you know, all those guys are great guys and they've. Um, you know they're they're pulling for me and I'm pulling for them, which is awesome. And I uh, I'm just thankful that you know I, ha- I have those resources available to to kind of help me get prepared for the next uh, the next step, which would be professional golf. He's got to be a pretty good guy to talk to because it's it's easy to to play rounds with guys that seemingly have just moved up the ladder and are successful right out of the gate, but to to learn from a guy like that that really has had a tough time and then regained it in such a incredible fashion. Uh, I'm guessing you're learning a lot about what it's going to look like as a professional, where it's not all courtesy cars and, and, you know, jets and, you know, making cuts left and right and cashing checks. So I, I yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's gotta be good. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, um, you know, Davis, great to talk to you. It sounds like you just have a lot of great things going for you. I know it's going to be a, a whirlwind summer in the next few weeks uh, leading up to the USAM, and then hopefully things will get started again uh, down at Athens. You guys can make that uh, that run. I know you have uh, a really strong squad uh, coming back. And, um, yeah, good luck, uh, good luck the rest of the summer, and we'll catch up again soon. I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Davis Thompson for joining me on this episode of The Back of the Range. Don't forget, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Make sure you're subscribed in Apple Podcasts. You know we're on Spotify. There is a lot of news coming up in the next two weeks. I can't mention it yet, but stay tuned to The Back of the Range.